Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. What a joy it is to be gathered again to worship God. And what a joy it has been already this year to be on this journey of going through the Bible together, the bigger story. If by any chance this is your first time that you are worshiping with us here at Hosanna, please hear this, welcome, welcome. Or maybe you've been gone for a while and you're coming home, welcome home. Would you allow me just to catch you up to speed and really remind all of us what we're doing this year as a church. We are going through the bigger story of the Bible, experiencing it from beginning to end. And we called it the bigger story because we just noticed that all of us, especially over the last couple of years, just have gotten really caught up in smaller, lesser stories that have taken our peace and divided us from each other. And so this year we are lifting our heads and remember the bigger story where we find our own stories. And we also recognize, I think it's important to do so, that this is a really hard book to read. This is a tough book to read. And so we are going through it together. And we started at the beginning, we started in Genesis and remembered uh, creation and the fall and how God established a family that grew into a nation, the Israelites, and we followed their journey from Exodus to exile and we saw how that journey is reflected in our lives with the Lord as well. And right now during this six week wonderful devotional season of Lent. We are in a mega theme we're calling Fulfilled. Fulfilled, where we are connecting the dots from the Old Testament to the New Testament, using the threads of the prophecies, the predictions in the Old Testament. Some people got to see ahead of time. They didn't get all the details. The prophets didn't get all the details, but they got a glimpse of what it would be like when God came, what it would be like when the Messiah, the anointed one, came to save and redeem God's people. And one of the things that they saw ahead of time is that the Messiah would be a healer. So that's what we get to talk about today. But just a quick review, over the last couple of weeks, the first week of this series, Chris showed us how many of the prophecies were fulfilled in just the first three chapters of the book of Matthew. And then last weekend, Ryan uh, brought forward that the, the prophecy that was fulfilled in Jesus, that the Messiah would be good news to the poor, good news to the poor. And when Jesus came in his life and his ministry, he certainly was good news to the poor. And Ryan challenged us last weekend as a church. He said, here's my challenge, open your wallet. Open your wallet, because there are people across the world in Ukraine who are incredibly poor in spirit, and in resources overnight. And we gotta be good news to the poor in Jesus' name. So open your wallets, and church, you did. We get to give to an organization called Sun Spiritual Orphans Network that's a partner of ours through LCMC. We trust them, we know them, and we know the work that they're doing to help people in Ukraine who have to stay but are also helping people to escape. And you heard that call and you said, let's be good news, and together, we gave $330,000 to that network. Well done, church. Way to look more like Jesus by being good news to the poor. Jesus was good news to the poor, and our lives find fulfillment when we are the same. But today, we get to talk about a different topic, 
Today we get to talk about how Jesus fulfilled that the Messiah would be a healer. A healer. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, people put pen to page when they saw ahead to the day that God would come, that the Messiah, the anointed one would come, and they said, we'll recognize him because he will be a healer. And if you know anything at all about Jesus, you know that he was a healer. And so we're gonna connect the dots in just a moment. But before we get into our Bibles, which we will, because that's what we're doing this year, with this topic, I knew that we just needed to pause for a second and acknowledge that this is a really tender topic. This is a visceral topic because every single one of us carries a story, maybe multiple stories of hoping for healing for ourselves or hoping for healing for people that we love. There are many people who walked into church today carrying that hope. And the reality is there are many in our church who carry stories of healing, of miraculous healing, testimonies. We're gonna hear some of them later on in this message. But it's also true that some people carry stories of praying harder than you've ever prayed about anything. And the person you prayed for suffered anyway, even died anyway. The mystery around why some people are healed and others are not is just, it's a puzzle. And it can be absolutely maddening just to acknowledge that. And yet we cannot deny that the Gospels, the stories about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are filled with healing. Jesus was a healer. And when he healed, people came to believe that he was who he said he was. He was the Messiah, the very Son of God. They would say, you are the Messiah. I see it because they connected the dots from those Old Testament prophecies to the new. So we're gonna make that connection today in our Bibles. So during this series, we are opening our Bibles to see both the Old Testament prophecy and where it's fulfilled in the New Testament. Today, we're gonna start with our New Testament passage because right within it, we're gonna get the reference to the Old Testament passage. So I would love it if you have a Bible with you that you would open it to Matthew chapter Eight. Matthew chapter eight. Get your Bibles open. Now we realize not everybody's got a Bible with you today, and that's totally fine. There is no shame in that. Absolutely no shame in that. But we do encourage you, when you come back, bring your Bible with you next time, because we do want to be in God's word together this year. So Matthew chapter eight, as I open it, I remember that this is at a point when Jesus' popularity has really grown. He is, gaining, he is gaining tremendous popularity and a reputation as a healer, so the crowds have started coming. They have started coming to be healed. And chapter eight is packed full of healing stories, just one after another. And I'm not gonna read them all, I'm gonna breeze through them, but I would encourage you to be looking at them in your Bible so that you can see them happen, all right? So the very beginning of chapter eight, it begins with Jesus. In my Bible, it says, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Let's think about leprosy. What we know of it is that it was the disease of the untouchables. People were scared to get it, and it was scary to look at and to be around, and so those people were separated from society. Those people had to stay away. But this leper is bold enough to come up to Jesus, and it says that he kneels down in front of him, and he calls him Lord. He says, Lord, I know that if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, this detail is important, reaches out and touches the leper. How long had it been since that leper had been touched? Jesus touches him and says, I am willing. Be clean, be healed. And that man is healed. 
That's a story of a kind of powerless person that Jesus healed. Well, right after it, to just provide the contrast, comes the story of a powerful person. This, in my Bible, it says that he is a Roman officer. So we can picture him in his uniform, and he would have been the oppressor of the Jews. So he wasn't welcome among this crowd. He would have been somebody that they were frustrated with for oppressing them. But here he comes in his uniform, and he approaches Jesus, and he says to him, Jesus, I've been hearing about you, or Jesus, I've been watching you, and here's what I know. You have authority. And the Roman officer says, I know what it is to have authority because I have authority over soldiers. I know what it is to be able to command them to do things and they do it. Well, I see, Jesus, that you have that same authority over sickness and disease. And there's somebody in my life that I really care about. It's one of my servants and he's in bed and he's in excruciating pain. Would you heal him? And Jesus says, you bet I will. Yes, I will. And this is one of the healing stories that happens without Jesus even going to the person. He just says to the Roman officer, go home, your servant is healed. Amazing story. Then right after it, you can look at it in your Bible, right after it, it says Jesus heals many people and it begins at Peter's house. So Jesus had these best friends, these 12 guys that he traveled around with and three of them that were very close to him, one of them named Peter. And they went to Peter's house as a group And when they get to Peter's house, Peter's mom is sick. And we don't know if she's sick from like a long-term illness or if it's just an acute one, but in any case, she's got a high fever. And in that story, it says that Jesus just goes over to Peter's mom, puts his hand on her hand, and her fever leaves her. And then I love the detail that comes next. It says, and she got up and made them a meal. (laughs) So I think that was kind of a win-win miracle, you know, win-win, that one. All right, but then we get this verse. It's gonna go up on the screen. This is verse 16. It says that that evening many came. Many came, and we think this is to Peter's house. So here comes the crowd. They are crowding into Peter's house, and it says that evening many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a single command. Notice it's nothing fancy. There's no shouting involved. This isn't dramatic, just a single command. He cast out those evil spirits, and he healed the sick. We could talk a lot about the holistic healing of Jesus. Jesus did not just heal people in physical body. He healed them spiritually. He healed them emotionally. He healed the mind. Yes, he did. And then we get this verse. And make no mistake what Matthew is doing. He is connecting the dots. This being this day of healing. That fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, he took our weaknesses and removed our diseases. And you see that that is in quotes because Matthew is giving us a quote from the Old Testament. And if you look at it in your Bible, in my Bible, there's an asterisk right next to it. And if I follow the asterisk down to where the reference is, it tells me that that is taken from Isaiah 53. All right, so you can turn to Isaiah 53 if you want to. I'm going to, you don't have to follow me. But here I go to Isaiah 53. Keep your finger in Matthew 8. Isaiah 53 then is a passage that would have been well known to the Jews, very well known. When they saw that quote in there, they would have said, oh, He's pulling that from Isaiah. Yes, he is. Isaiah 53 is a paramount passage of of prediction and prophecy about who the Messiah will be. Now remember, it's written hundreds of years before Jesus. And we're just gonna read the first four verses today, but over the next two weeks, we're gonna spend even more time in Isaiah 53 because it is just packed full of prophecy, particularly around how Jesus would die. But in these first four verses, we get information about Jesus that, is, that, that Isaiah is writing, and of course, he has no idea how it will actually be fulfilled. But he says, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? 
My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him, but he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And we see all that happen when Jesus goes to the cross. But here is verse four. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Also translated, he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. So now as you go back to Matthew chapter eight, you can see that quote that is pulled from Isaiah 53. Fulfilled, and make no mistake, this is what Matthew is doing. He is connecting the dots. He is saying Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. I tell you these healing stories because they're great stories, but I also tell you these stories because they are proof. They are proof. There is one more uh, verse that comes out of Isaiah 35. So we read 53. This is Isaiah 35. Don't turn there, but listen to this. This is prophecy about the Messiah when he comes. He says, and when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. He says, when the Messiah comes, those things will happen. And when Jesus came, those things did happen. You read the gospels and we see this happening all over the place. The, the eyes of the blind being opened, the ears of the deaf being opened, the paralyzed, he lives, it, gives them her hand and he picks them up and they walk. Over and over again, Jesus comes close to sickness and suffering and disease. He touches it. He's well acquainted with it. He stops for it and he heals people. Over and over again, he heals people. There are 22 specific accounts of healing in the Gospels, but there are general references to many more. And something that is incredibly important for us to see and understand, and if you read the Gospels, if you read the stories of Jesus, you will see it, is that every healing had a purpose. The healings were not meant to be ends unto themselves. The healings happened so that people would believe the healings every time were a sign that says Jesus is who he says he is. The healings were not ends unto themselves. This is, this is a simple thing to consider, but every person that Jesus healed, you know, he opened the eyes of the blind and the ears and he lifted the paralyzed and he raised the people from the dead and all those people went on to die. Tempor temporary healings are always temporary and every single time they serve a purpose then and now to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. For the Jews who knew the Old Testament and connected the dots, oh, you are the Messiah. But you didn't have to be Jewish to see that the things that were happening in front of you, only God could do these things. And so they put their faith into him, they believed. And so the question, of course, that remains is does he still do it today? Does Jesus still heal people today? for the same reason, so that people would come to believe in him? Does Jesus still come close to sickness and disease? Does he still fulfill the desire of human hearts who cry out to him for healing so that they will know who he says he is? The answer is emphatically yes. How about some proof? How about some stories? 
I happened to bring a few with me today. I brought a few stories with me today, all right? And it's important for you to know that these stories come right out of our church. They come right out of our church. These are not faraway stories that we got from somebody else. These are stories of people from this congregation. I wanna begin with one that, that came in from a woman named Cheryl Mulberry, who's a deployed pastor and a dear friend of many in this church. And she travels a lot and she loves to pray for healing. And so I asked her, could you just send me a few stories? And she sent me like five pages. So I chose this one. I chose this one, all right? So lean into this incredible story. She says, I was on my way to speak in a church in South Africa when the bishop I was visiting suggested that we stop and pray for a young woman named Innocentia. I love that name. Innocentia was the primary breadwinner of her family, but she had begun having heart issues, including leaking valves and a systemic collapse of several of her veins. She'd been taken to the hospital multiple times for imaging and tests and treatment, but nothing had helped. Finally, the doctors said that they could do nothing more and sent Innocentia home to die. On the day we came, she was surrounded by relatives who had come to say goodbye. After hearing her story, I felt compelled to lay hands on Innocentia. That is a biblical thing to do. Lay hands on Innocentia and pray. As we were praying, I saw something in my mind's eye, and this is something that is also common that the Holy Spirit will do. He'll give a vision to help us understand what he is doing. So she sees this vision in her mind's eye. She says that I had never seen before. I saw what looked like a large bank vault in the sky. The door of the vault was wide open, and inside of it was a healthy, beating heart. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do with what I saw, so prophetically, I just reached up, I grabbed the heart, and I placed my hand on Innocentia's chest. When we finished praying, the bishop gave a quick testimony and asked if any of the women present in the room would like to invite Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, and six women raised their hands and said that yes, they would. So Bishop Zulu prayed, and we left. So you see the healing attached to belief right there, right? A few days later, I asked the bishop if he had heard how Innocentia was doing. He said he hadn't, so he called her mother on the phone. And when the bishop asked about the girl, I could hear lots of shouting and crying coming from his phone. I was really discouraged. In fact, I was really angry with God. In my heart, I thought, why God? Why would you let this girl die? Six women invited Jesus into their hearts. I told them you would be their protector. Now what will become of their faith? Bishop Zulu put down the phone and said, the family has just come from the hospital. The shouting and crying you heard was Innocentia's mother telling me that Innocentia has been completely healed. The doctors were in disbelief. After running many tests, they declared, it's as if she's been given a completely new heart. Whoo, that's a good story. That's a good story, right out of somebody from our church. All right, this next story, um, I will say is important that we handle with tenderness because here at Hosanna, if you don't know this yet about us as a church, we're really careful when we talk about mental illness. Um, we take it seriously and we know that it often requires professional help and requires even medication at times. And so with all of that, I want you to know that's our heart and where we come from, but we also balance it with the fact that when we read the Bible, we heard one of the stories that Jesus didn't just heal bodies, he healed minds and he still does it today. And so here's a story that comes out of our Shakopee campus. This is a young woman who worships there. She says, I grew up with debilitating anxiety. And as, as I say that, I know there are people among us who are like, I get that. 
I grew up with debilitating anxiety. When I was younger, I could hardly even leave the house without physically getting sick. My anxiety never went away, but I ended up finding a few medications that would help me just live day-to-day -day life. However, I was truly just going through the motions. Last year at an Inspire Night, which is a night of worship and prayer that we host here at Hosanna from time to time, she said, I felt the Lord ask what my deepest desire was. I love that this is an encounter that she had just with the Lord. Nobody else is involved in this healing. It's just her and the Lord. And she hears him ask, what is your deepest desire? And she says, my deepest desire is to be done with anxiety entirely. That's my deepest desire. And then I felt him ask me if I trusted him. And I boldly declared, yes. Since then, I have been completely off my anxiety medication and truly my debilitating anxiety is completely gone. Gone. <laughs> Beautiful, wonderful. Um, there are so many stories I could tell. A common one revolves around um, chronic pain, people with chronic pain. Um, seeking to be prayed for or uh, you know, family members praying over there, especially that's one where you put, put the hands on, lay hands on, and, and just often that pain is lifted. This morning, I had a headache, a nasty one, and I wanted to take Advil because you know, I knew that would just take care of it, but there was something in me that was like, nope, Jen, you're supposed to step into this message. You're supposed to step into it. And so in the prayer chapel this morning, I told them, I'm preaching today. Honestly, it's really distracting for me to have a hammering headache, but I'm going to just live into it this morning. I'm talking about healing. I'm gonna ask for it. Prayer team, would you pray for me? And I sit before you with no headache right now. And I didn't take any Advil. These are stories that need to be told, but here's one more story. And this one, you know, that's a personal testimony, but this is a personal testimony of, of a healing that I got to be part of. Um, let me introduce you to my friend, Betsy. I brought a picture of her. This is the two of us together. She's one of my dearest friends. Uh, her and her husband, Ryan, are dear friends of my husband, Ryan, and I. And Betsy has lupus. It's just horrible disease of lupus that you know, if you know about it, can attack your body kind of at random and different places in your body. So the, the story I'm gonna tell you now came from a season where she, um, where lupus was attacking her skin. And she had sores, just open wounds all over her hands and all over her feet. And um, just a side note, her and her husband were planning to go to Israel in a couple of weeks uh, at, at, in the time of this story. And they were really looking forward to it, but Betsy had said, there is no way. She's like, part of the tour is that we go to the Dead Sea. We go to the Salt Sea, but there's no way I'm getting in the Salt Sea with all these open wounds, you know, how painful that would be. All right, so Betsy and Ryan are deep believers, deep believers, but Betsy is one of those people who just hates being the center of attention, just hates it. But she felt like the Holy Spirit told her, I want you to ask for healing. I want you to ask your friends and your family to fast for a day, so to go without eating for a day and pray, and then at night come to a gathering just to pray for your healing. So she sent this email to all these people that love her. And so I showed up that night and um, we were singing a worship song and just kind of preparing our hearts for this time of healing. And while we were singing, um, I got this image before my eyes of, of myself going over to Betsy and putting my hands on her arms and praying for her healing. And I was like, I don't wanna do that. Like, here's my conversation between me and the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I don't wanna do that. I don't even know a lot of the people in this room. And here's where my vulnerability really was. Betsy's one of my best friends. And I didn't wanna pray for her and have it fall flat. I didn't wanna pray for her and have it not work. It felt like that would break my heart more than anything. But all I can say is that there was just a strong sense that this is what God was doing and this is what I was supposed to do. And if I wasn't obedient to it, that would be an issue. So I got up. 
I walked over, I knelt down in front of Betsy, and I put my hands down this arm, and I said, Betsy, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. And then just like the Holy Spirit has shown me to do, I put my hands down this arm, and I said, Betsy, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. And two weeks later, she was swimming in the salt sea. That happened. That happened. Sometimes miracles happen. And don't even get me started on the medical miracles. And you might ask, well, does God get credit for those? Heck yes, God gets credit for those. He gets credit, he gets credit for the miracle of modern medicine. You bet he does. You know, the beginning of, of, our, of our journey together in the Bible, we studied Genesis chapter one, where we see that God is infinitely creative. And then he puts his image, the imago dei, into every human being, which means that we all carry this infinite capacity for creativity. And thank God for the doctors and the nurses and the researchers who allowed the power of God to be manifest in them, that they would see solutions, that they would create medications that heal people every day, every day. Does God get credit for that? You bet he does. Does Jesus still heal today? Absolutely, emphatically, yes. And not always. Not always. Let's just stick with stories that come out of our congregation. There are people sitting among us this morning who have prayed harder than they have ever prayed about anything for cancer, for tumors to disappear, and they didn't. Who prayed for babies in the womb to live, and they didn't who prayed for debilitating mental illness to be lifted off of people. And those people still suffer. Why? Why? Why God chooses to heal some people and not others is a great mystery, even maddening. Why doesn't God heal everybody? here on earth who asks for it. We know that God heals everybody eventually, okay, and eternally, wonderful, but why not everybody who asks for it now? Maybe because if God answered every prayer for healing and suffering, we would treat God like an ATM machine. You know, I pray, you deliver, this is a really beautiful transaction, but it's not a relationship. It's not a wrestling. It's not a mystery. Maybe because as much as we hate it, suffering and pain are what grows us. What, what leads us to, to grow in perseverance and character and faith and hope. The Bible talks about that. It doesn't mean that we have to believe that God causes the suffering in order that we would know that God uses it. He uses it every single time. He's used it in my life over and over again. I would not be who I am today without the suffering and the pain. And I know that a lot of people listening right now can say the same thing. Maybe God doesn't heal in every circumstance because he can see the bigger story in a way that we just can't. But something just pastorally that I knew needed to be spoken over 
this weekend is that there is a lie that creeps into our hearts. It's an understandable lie. It's an understandable thought, and that is God must just love some people more than he loves me. God must just favor some people more than he favors me because he heard their prayers and and not mine. And that's an understandable thought. It's like the child in the family who worries that the parents love one of the siblings more than them. But just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And as Christians, we believe in a God who gave up his very life, who became so acquainted with death, suffering, grieving. We believe in a God who on Calvary died to win the eternal victory over sin, which is what makes all of us the most sick, but also to have victory over sickness and disease. We believe in a God who has won that victory. Our eternal hope and healing is secure, no matter what happens with our frail and faltering bodies. And so, that leaves us with the question, should we pray for healing? It's risky. Why pray for healing if there's no guarantee, if there's no guarantee that it will work? Because sometimes, sometimes, miracles happen. And we have been wondering, hoping, praying, that God might just wanna do a few miracles among us this weekend. And so today, we are going to close our service with a prayer for healing. And I'm gonna invite everybody at all of our campuses to stand to your feet. Stand up, stand up. As I invite my dear friend, who is gonna be the one to pray, his name is Pastor John Russell. And many of you know John, or at least recognize John, because you love his hair. (laughs) And because he's one of our wonderful, wonderful worship leaders. But what you may not know about John is that he carries a deep passion to pray for healing. Not only a passion, but a commitment. This is something he does a lot. He prays a lot for healing. And he carries an anointing, and he carries an authority to pray for healing. And so he has simply been asking God, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing in our church? What are you doing in people's lives? He's been asking for, we call them words of knowledge. He's been asking our prayer teams to ask for those words of knowledge. Who is with us this weekend at all of our campuses and watching online who needs healing? And then he's gonna step into this moment, follow the Holy Spirit and pray for us. So thank you, John. Friends, I've got some really good news for you this morning. Uh, Healing is God's idea. (laughs) We don't have to try to muster up a whole bunch of faith. We just simply need to come to him. (laughs) Jehovah Rapha, the healer. So here's what we're gonna do. If you need uh, healing in your body, healing in their soul. If you know of somebody, friend, relative, coworker, who needs healing in their body or healing in their soul, I'd like you to just place your hand on your heart right now. And then I'd like you to close your eyes. And I'd like you to imagine that you're in a hospital waiting room. And in comes Jesus, the King of glory. He walks into the room And he walks up to that person with the damaged lung. 
perhaps due to COVID. Mm. The coughing is going away. The breathing is being fully restored. Now he's walking up to the one with um, uh, glaucoma. Mm. And he's reaching out his hand and and the film is lifting from your eye and and light is coming in and you're able to see. Now, Now he's walking over to the one with degenerative back degenerative spine, something in the lower back. And those, um, it's, it's being fused. The, the, the tendons are lining up and, and the pain is going away and the back is beginning to align. And, and the one, uh, he's coming to the one now with uh, tremors, uh, headaches, probably due to some kind of trauma. And we just speak of that trauma and say, be gone in Jesus' name. And now there's somebody that's listening online this morning. And the reason you're at home is because the depression that you're suffering from, it is debilitating. You can't even leave your home. And right now, King Jesus is touching you. And the weight is being lifted from you right now. Joy and hope is beginning to pour into your heart, beginning to pour into your soul. And now he's walking to you. Whatever your situation may be, he's reaching out his healing hand and he's touching you right now. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the healer. We thank you for what you bought and for what you paid for. We thank you, King Jesus, that nothing is impossible with you. And now whoever's listening right now, we just speak in the name of Jesus Be healed. Be healed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you, John. Thank you, John. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church today. Thank you ahead of time for the people who will walk in freedom and in healing because of your power. Jesus, we give you all the glory. We give you all the credit. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So church, there are some of you in the crowd today. You're grateful for the prayer that just happened, but you're carrying one that you would love to be prayed for in a more specific way. And so our prayer teams, God bless them. They're ready this weekend at all of our campuses. To They've got anointing oil, some of them, which is a very biblical practice of putting anointing oil on your head as you pray for healing. And so they're ready for that at all of our campuses, but it's gonna be in a different location in every place. And so right now, I'm gonna release all the campuses to hear from your campus pastor what the specific direction is for you. So God bless you, church. And Pastor Pear will lead us now here at the Lakeville campus. You know, the scriptures tell us um, a very, very direct statement from the Lord. He says this, I am the Lord who heals. I am the Lord who heals. And as Pastor Jen has mentioned, one of the methods that the early church used was for people to gather together with the leaders, the prayer ministers of the church, to be prayed for and to be anointed with oil in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. 
Our prayer teams are ready to do that with any of you today who would like to receive that healing. Um, you can find those prayer ministry teams back off to my left, to your right, and they're there waiting for you to pray for you in the name of Jesus and anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus. For baptismal families, we want to encourage you to head on over to the chapel area, which is where the baptisms are taking place. And again, we're so grateful that you could join us today, and we're thankful that you are receiving the blessing of the Lord, the healing of the Lord in advance in the waters of baptism. And now, church, let me leave you with this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you, and may he be gracious to you. May he look upon you with amazing favor. And may he give you great peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you next week.